0: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter.
3: Alright, so it's officially uh, four days after we normally uh, record the uh, roundup. Robbie was out this week doing some, uh, scouting for a documentary. I had a guest scheduled. We had technical difficulty on the normal day. Normally we we record these on Wednesday. It's now Sunday. Um, which also is making our podcast producer, Alaska, who we call Alaska because his name's Cody and we can't have two Cody's, but Alaska's nervous and he's wound up. And I, I realize I'm making his life harder and hopefully there won't be a lot of edits on this, but then I had a guest cancel. I had technical difficulties, a guest cancel, and a guest cancel again. Um, so the one person that I know that I can fall back on and might give me some shit about him being my fourth choice for the roundup this week, but uh, we will survive it as uh, a uh, friendship, I called, uh, called Daryl this morning. And I text Daryl this morning. And then he was on a plane when I texted him, or getting ready to, or something. And I thought, well, shit, I'm literally not going to get a roundup done this week. But he made it back home. And uh, Daryl, thanks for thanks for bailing me out here. I've had a hell of a scheduling nightmare to get this podcast recorded, and uh, I finally just fell back on the old reliable, to be honest.
1: So I was I wasn't even on the bench then. I, I, you had to call back to your high school buddy to get me to play. huh?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't want you to look at it. That way. I want you to look at it like I know you're there if I need you. Like you're old, reliable, not not way down the bench, just like rock solid. We know you'll be there, and we know that the uh, input in the conversation will be good. This is you need to flip this to a positive and not a negative. Oh well, yeah, no, totally. It's, it's
1: a positive, but I'm sure some of your listeners out there are thinking man,
3: this guy doesn't have a mic. He just sits around and waits for Katie to call him, I think. Well, let's defunct that right now, because where were you traveling from when I text you just this morning um, in need of a, of a roundup guest? I was on my way back from South Dakota,
1: spent the weekend hanging out with their wonderful governor and partaking in their annual governor's pheasant home.
3: You get the, uh, you know, there's a ton of these, like, governor's hunts. Um, I think probably, I don't know, maybe not. It seems like around this part of the country, every governor has some form of a governor's hunt. Um, and about 90% of the time, it seems like a, uh, like, some kind of royal thing, right? Like, like they're doing it, but they don't want to be doing it. I, I get the impression that Governor Noem out of South Dakota is actually a hunter. Am I am I on track there or like she's 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 at this pheasant hunt because she likes pheasant hunting not because it was on her governor's docket for the day.
1: No a- absolutely She is 100% an outdoors woman and into hunting and fishing. her family's into it. I mean it was uh, it was it was a, a great experience to see a family like hers. You know, just kind of enjoying the, the outdoors, the way that they were, and man, and, and she can hunt. I'll tell you, she she can hunt. We're, we've seen it in the past, you know, um, but she's a she's a great steward of the South Dakota land, the animals. So
2: the
3: big question is, can she shoot?
1: Well, believe it or not. Um she was not shooting this year. Oh. She coming off of
3: an injury. Oh, okay. Well, I I I set this up, but uh I actually know for a fact I've seen her shoot pheasants before and know that she can. Can you did did you shoot any pheasants?
1: Um,
3: believe it or not, I didn't. Like you didn't hunt? I, there's all this build up, you're destroying my build up no, no, here.
1: No,
3: we listen. We But uh Got into an area that
1: was pretty drought. It was really, really dry. We just didn't have a lot of birds that were flushing. And it wasn't because it wasn't birds. It was we hunted some property that was big. And it was kind of warm, so the dives got worn out real quick. And uh, the birds just had a lot of cover. And so we seeing a lot of birds, we just we just weren't getting on them a lot of them. That's right.
3: Yeah, that dry, hot conditions with pheasants definitely leads them to run they'll run on you a lot um and then the dogs have trouble with them but uh south dakota kind of a uh kind of a uh understated kind of under the radar hunting destination um i actually just read an article a couple weeks ago and i don't remember where it placed but it was like the top 10 public top 10 states for public land access hunting um and south dakota was on the list which i would not have have known that prior um but uh yeah it's kind of a kind of a place they got a little bit of everything they got deer hunting up there they got great waterfowl hunting the upland bird hunting is incredible south dakota a little bit of a a place that might need to be on your stop coming to colorado all the time folks and go to south dakota every once in a while
1: oh absolutely I'll tell you the the airport, the little airport we flew into Falls, was packed with bird hunters. I mean, the the airlines have tables set up, you know, just portable tables set up right in front because they got to go through so many guns, right? So yeah, and every every restaurant you go to, there's people running around in orange because they're coming straight out of the field and and, you know grabbing some food, but. You know, the interesting thing about South Dakota that the governor was telling us about is they have 25% of their population purchase hunting licenses and fishing licenses every year. Like they have the largest per capita of hunting musicians of their residents than any other state.
3: Yeah, I didn't know that. That is incredible. That I, I do believe the national average is like 4% of the population purchased as a hunting license. So that's definitely, uh, definitely on the high end. You can see it though. A lot of rural country up there. A lot of folks, uh, a lot of folks putting meat on the table.
1: Well, I'm going to, I'm going to shout out to um, Nora, South Dakota. We drove through Nora, South Dakota. It's a population of five. No joke. And I think there's there's only three houses there. And there's an old Lincoln Continental, and if anybody from North South Dakota is listening to this, I'm thinking you need to take that old Lincoln out to the highway because I don't think anybody's going to buy it there, and there's not a lot of people driving by there. Because have it looks like it looks like that for sale sign has been in the window for about 50 years. Right.
3: The car The car was only a year old when they put the for sale sign. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, it's it's old. I, I would imagine that probably the residents of, of Nora, South Dakota buy it from each other
3: and they just keep reselling it to each other. Every 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 adult resident has owned it at one time in their lives. It looks like it. All right, let's hit some text messages real quick. We got a lot of text messages in this week. Um, Marty from uh, Marty from uh, North Carolina, Aberdeen, North Carolina. Marty, this is the first time Marty texts in, and this is the very first sentence that Marty texts us um, as a listener to the show. By the way, anyone can text us, 620-860-4804 to send us a text. But the very first sentence Marty ever texts us is, Cody, you are exactly right, period. So right off the bat, we realize Marty, like the re- a lot of our audience, is very intelligent. Um, what he's referencing is uh, we've had we've been having this conversation, and Robbie won't really take a stance on it. But I think that we're kind of like what I hate the labels. I hate the labels, like the phrase "adult onset hunter." We've covered this a lot, and I know some of you are skipping to a, another podcast right now because we're going to talk about this again, but. I think if everyone was just hunters, like you're a hunter, I'm a hunter, we're all just hunters, and we didn't have to put a bunch of descriptors before the word hunter, I think we would have a whole lot less problems. And to me, this is a, a much bigger conversation than this, that the hunting part of this, the hunter part of this conversation is actually pretty small, that, you know, we do it in every phase of our lives. Right. Like every everyone. If, are you a fisherman? No, no, I'm a fly fisherman or well, no, I'm a bass fisherman. You're just a fisherman. And if, if we quit doing that and breaking it down, um, I can't stand it anyway. And then and then when I say I don't like adult onset hunter, people start sending me other options like emerging, emergent hunter, beginning hunter. Why can't they just be a hunter? Right. Like that's the, that's my point on it. So Marty, who, uh, Marty went on a roll. Like I can scroll about 17 feet on the screen of my phone for the, the things that Marty sent in from us for us as he, uh, started catching up on podcasts that he'd missed recently. But, uh, Marty, I appreciate the, uh, alignment with me there on the adult onset hunter thing. Um, we'll cover some of your other texts, but you sent us enough stuff that it would take the entire episode if I covered everything today. Daryl, your thoughts on, uh, adult onset Hunter.
2: Well,
1: I, I think, um, it's probably similar to my thoughts on the difference between all the different Americans out there, right? Like we, we create this, these divides within, you know, subsects of organizations and or cultures. And and I think the problem is is we all stand around trying to figure out why we can't all get along. But we we completely force these divides between ourselves by labeling ourselves, like you said, a fly fisherman versus a bass fisherman versus a saltwater fisherman. Or I'm a sheep hunter. And so you know I think people who like hunt tail are just
3: people who watch NASCAR. And, you know, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because once you provide the label, then you have to start providing the description and the differences, right? That's what it does. It's like, it's exactly what you just said right there. That if, if, I, if, if I'm a sheep hunter, if I walk around with a badge on my vest that says sheep hunter, I am going to start drawing the line And none of this really starts off nefarious. None of it starts off in a bad way. But I'm going to start drawing the line of, right, just like you said, I'm not a white, I'm not a NASCAR watching, you know, southern accent whitetail hunter, you know. And and so you start to lump people and describe people and it's all a bunch of crap. We're all, as long as you're doing it. And then I had to explain this too to somebody that someone said, A big thing I think people need to adopt. I'm going to get bossy. Someone said, well, what about those people that break the law when they're hunting? And they're not hunters anymore. They're poachers. They're criminals. It's just that simple. We don't need to differentiate. And every time we try to differentiate for the sake of some interesting conversation or bait link or whatever it is, um, we end up just drawing divides between people. Um. Anyway, and we've we've kicked the shit out of this dead horse over the last four or five weeks, but I still feel like it's worthy. No, it's not, absolutely. Well, I think I think more importantly, when you when you
1: label somebody a adult onset horror that means they don't know what they're doing. Like that's what most people take that that connotation is, is that this person has not got the experience who, you know, I don't know, claim themselves as a hunter, you know. I mean, and there's a lot of people out there that take up hunting later on in their life that are pretty dang good at all. And, and, and it has nothing to do with the number of years that they've been hunting. It has to do with their passion. It has to do with their devotion to, you know, whatever animal species that they like to
0: hunt.
3: Yeah, there's also a lot of people out there that have been doing it for 40 years that make incredibly dumbass mistakes, too. You know, I mean, it's it's a – there's no need for the differentiation, in my opinion, at least. And, uh, again, thanks for the text, Marty. Tim from Saskatchewan, who's one of our – if we had little badges, Tim would be a premier texter. Um, we talked about uh, – we had uh, Ali – shit, I forgot Mahaney. Ali Mahaney, Ali the Mule Skinner on uh, – mule skinner alley something like that on instagram she was on last week's roundup and we and robbie was talking about how he used her instagram reels to discover good music which it's not a not a bad option she posts great music as she's riding her mule through the mountains um but i said that for anyone you hear a lot of people this is gonna this has jack shit to do with honey but you hear a lot of people, at least in, the, in, the, in my realm, where a lot of the people that I socialize with listen to country music, you hear a lot of people that are bitching because country music these days isn't as good as it used to be. And I was one of those people, honestly, until like five or six years ago, I think when I started, like, country music may be better now than it ever was. I mean, there's people like... Tyler Childers, Coulter Wall. I literally think that Zach Bryan, who's this guy that must have been the worst sailor in the Navy ever because all he could have ever done for eight years was write songs because he has like a thousand incredible songs and he started releasing his music on YouTube in 2017. Anyway, that's what I said. Last week's roundup, I said country music has not lost its soul. You're just listening to country music radio, and there's not a lot of soul or passion left there, in my opinion. Still some good ones even on the radio. Anyway, Tim sent me. Cody said that he's heard people say country music was losing its soul, and I just thought I would poke fun and say it never had one. Tim, obviously not a country music fan. Anyway, check this out. Coulter Wall grew up in Tim's little hometown in Saskatchewan. Coulter Wall's father was the provincial premier of Saskatchewan, and his grandpa, Coulter Wall's grandpa, currently sits on the city council of the little town that Tim is from. So, anyway... Inter- just interesting doesn't have a whole lot to do with 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 our normal topics here but tim from Saskatchewan is uh, from Coulter Wall's hometown if you don't know who Coulter Wall is then you're not enjoying music as much as you should in my opinion
1: did, did tim offer that up or did you research
3: that no tim offered that up i don't even know i would have to research it cuz i don't even know what town it is no tim offered all that up tim will uh, tim and marty could co-author a book just with the text that they've sent us, they, they put a, I'm talking like 1,500 characters per text message is about what Tim runs, probably. He also talks about uh, trophy hunting, another, another, the word trophy hunters, again, just like we said. Um, he said, I said, let me ask you this, Daryl. Do you know anyone? And I'm between the two of us, we know a lot of hunters. Fair statement? Yeah, I would say so. Do you know anyone that that outwardly uses the phrase trophy hunter to discuss to to describe themselves? Never. i
1: have never, never heard.
3: Tim comes in to say, I have to say that I do know some folks that lifts themselves as trophy hunters and the dedication they put into finding that next monster whitetail is something I would never have time for. And I think what he's saying there, I I do know some guys who don't shoot a deer unless
2: it's a monster. I mean, I
3: I know I know some guys that that go let go three, four, five years of fifty days a, a season in a tree stand in Kansas and not shoot a deer because the right one doesn't come along.
1: Let me let me throw this out Let me throw this out. Let me ask you. And I know I I know the answer from you, but is that a bad thing? Like why do we why do we make that out to be a bad
3: thing? Wouldn't you be if, if you were an anti-hunter? Wouldn't you be more mad at the meat hunters that are taking every animal, like, and I'm not, I'm not mad at the meat hunters. And, and, and I, I'm kind of a, depends on how I feel, Hunter, you know, you and I went to Utah one time and I was dead set. I was putting a Utah mule deer in the freezer and i have this little tiny display case that holds small books outside in my living room that the horns from that mule deer are both tucked neatly next to a bookie and they're so damn small um i don't i, I don't understand it doesn't it boggles my mind and i and i get that the anti hunters are after what they think a trophy hunter is someone that goes to africa and shoots an elephant and then cuts the tusk, cuts the head off and leaves um but the whole term is, it's just, it's no different than adult onset. I don't know why we have to have the stupid labels that maybe we wouldn't have an interesting podcast if we didn't, so. Here's the, here's the other thing, right? Like, we, we,
1: we create this environment where a trophy hunter is this bad person, right? Because a lot of non-hunters or, or anti-hunters, not non-hunters, non-hunters is not the right thing. Anti hunter, paint this picture that somebody, like you just said, somebody who is a trophy hunter goes into the wild, finds an animal, harvests that animal, cuts the head off, leaves the meat, lets it spoil, rolls home, and slaps that thing on the the wall, right? That's a trophy hunter. Probably, probably it's in a book. But the same people are also usually the same kind of people that think everybody deserves a trophy in the local soccer. <laughs> right,
3: right. You know what I'm saying? They're, ant, they're anti-trophy hunting. They're pro-participation trophy.
1: <laughs>
2: right. Like it. It's just crazy.
3: Yeah, yeah. It blows my mind, too. It's, uh... I try... I, I try... As I get older, I try and try and try to get better to, like, understand... People that disagree with me. Um, this is not one I've been able to do it with. When you when you look at the data of what hunting has done for wildlife populations around the world, um, the attacks and the labels are crazy. We got a we got another new texture, texture person. <laughs> I don't know, Ryan from Missouri. Um, Ryan did send in. A Spotify rating, our October giveaway for sending us in a screenshot of your rating us will be over by the time you hear this. Um, and the following roundup, we will announce the winner of that. Get this, though. This is good. Ryan has sent in a text that I know Daryl well enough to say that he's going to have a, just the slightest, he's going to be happy for Ryan, and then he's going to have the slightest tinge of jealousy. Because um, Ryan sent that he loved the roundup today where we covered the Ted's Tajikistan's conservation success and the community based program called HNCAT, Hunting and Conservation Alliance Tajikistan, is now called ANCOT, the Association of Nature Conservation Organizations of Tajikistan. Ryan is, get get this, Ryan is currently learning Russian so that he can communicate with the locals on his 2024 Ibex hunt, mid Asian Ibex hunt in Uzbekistan that's the part where i said you'd be jealous i know how much yeah. how much you want to go to the stands and uh i want to go It it like it, this this is one of those things where i don't really want to but if you go i want to go with you all right
1: yeah i'm
3: on it i know i know that's I, I meant it when i said it so he said he'll follow up ryan good luck on uh your hunt in 2024 that's a uh It's an amazing place over there that we talked about a little bit last week that, uh, you know, I I know you can remember, Daryl, like when, maybe even like when we were in our 20s, I mean, like 20 years ago, there was people arguing that the snow leopard was on the brink of extinction because no one could find them, no one, because getting pictures of them. Now, trophy hunting, especially in Tajikistan and Uzbekistan has brought so many prey animals back that the snow leopards are thriving as well. We talked about this a little bit last week, but it's another one of those arguments where you go, look, if you you make the locals, you can't blame the locals, right? If the the locals aren't making any money off the Ibex or the Marco Polo or anything, and they're up there living their lives and they're eating them, but that's exactly what the hell they should be. That's exactly what I'd be doing, right? Like if I was a if I was a sheep herder at at 10,000 feet in Tajikistan trying to keep track of my damn sheep and I got hungry, I'm, I I don't care how many Marco Polo sheep there are left in the world. I'm I'm going to shoot one and eat it when I'm up there taking care of my herds, right? That's what they did. And then but trophy hunting has now offered them that the community makes money off of the trophy hunting they stopped killing the, those animals as much, not completely, but as much for sustenance. The animals are thriving. Side effect, snow leopards are making a huge comeback.
1: Let me ask, let me, let me ask you this, and I'm just going
2: to play the devil's out. I know one said it, but why are you calling it a trophy Um... I think because I'm trying
3: to... Defi- I, I think the reason... I, I Genuinely, I did it subconsciously. I, for a second, was going to say, did I? But no, I, I realized that I did. I think what my brain is doing is trying to use it to counter the arguments. Right? Like, trying, trying to use the same verbiage that the people that are attacking it are using. I also am dead set that I don't want to change it. I don't want to come up with another label. First of all, I personally don't use the label, right? I just, I mean, I mean in my everyday. Like for you and I just went and and had an incredible trip in the eastern Cape, Cape of South Africa, right? And I, I told, you know, people asked about it. People that, people, family, friends, people that we ran into, people at the airport, I never once said, I went trophy hunting in Africa. Like I, I don't understand that. Ver- I went hunting in Africa. and I think I hunted
2: in a trophy-like way, right? Like oh, yeah.
3: Like, I wanted to shoot big adult males of the things I shot, right? Definitely. I mean, that's hundred that's percent true but I never use the phrase. I, I only use the phrase when I'm countering the argument against the phrase.
2: I think. Okay. The reason why I asked it is, you know, like
1: we went to Africa. I don't think I've ever seen a chimpanzee in Africa. Did I go there looking for, like you said, the like adult males? Whatever their head, do, or, you know, you're looking for inches, or, you know, whatever. But I, I personally don't ever use the verbiage trophy hunting for something that I do, because to me, it's hunting, right? And I think that, I think part of the negative connotation of trophy hunting is because it gets thrown around so loosely across so many different, you know. I don't know, aspect of hunting in general that the anti hunting world grasps the hold of it because it's a it's terminology that's utilized really, you know. Easy. Now, don't get me wrong, going to one of the stands to hunt Argali or I guess is absolutely anybody that ever gets to know there, is what a trophy opportunity, right? An opportunity to take an animal. Big, small, whatever—that so few people do it. That's that's a personal choice. For anybody in the hunting world, is it is it the size of the animal at that point, or is it? I don't know.
2: I think it's both, man. And I I personally, I think it's okay. You and I set over. I mean, I'll have a lifelong memory.
3: Of you and I in a friendly way, arguing about an eighth of an inch over two on two warthogs, right? I mean, and that that I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that being a fun part of it. You know what I mean? Like I I want I want I don't I don't do it on social media. I don't do it to anyone that I don't know, but. I mean, I've shot. I've shot a lot of things that I was proud of, and there's about four people in the world that I usually text a picture of them to, um, and it's and, and I'm proud of it. You know, I'm I'm proud that that I was able to pull it off, no matter how bad I screwed it up, or how long it took, or how hard I was breathing after the hike. I'm I'm, I'm proud of it, and and it's it's not that, you know. Here's what I'm trying to counter is when you see these arguments about trophy hunting, they're always talking about how rich old white guys go and shoot something so they can put it on the wall and brag to their friends. I don't like the phrasing or the terminology because I don't, that's not how I feel about it. But 100% when I shot that mule deer with your brother two years ago, we were both super stoked. To send our first big mule deer bucks to you. Right? Not to not to rub it in, not to not to make you feel bad. Part of it is we knew you'd be genuinely happy for us as well, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that I do want to shoot things. I do want to shoot big adult males of things that have big horns on them. It's not all I shoot, right? You You've been with me multiple times that I shot some rinky dink ass shit to put some meat in the freezer because that's what that's what I wanted to do. I don't know. But I don't know. Again, I don't want to make this entire every episode we ever do about this. But uh, I think our Africa trip was the perfect example that I never considered myself a trophy hunter while at the same time we were over there working to shoot big adult males of the of to, to create. To, to create trophies to put on our wall. It's not why, not the only reason we did it, but we were doing that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with you. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. You should be happy and, you know, enjoy the fact that you got to do something that you love and... That's it. And it's okay that you we were second place like, on the warthog.
3: No, <laughs> oh, no. God damn it. I, I knew as soon as I brought it up that you were going to start lying to people about this. My warthog yeah. was
1: bigger. Dude, my warthog was bigger than
3: yours. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And, and the it was,
1: t- As soon as we get those skulls, we're going to have to talk
3: to and take to them. Man. Right. Yeah, we're going to have to find someone to, that can officially measure a measure a my just my kudu was bigger too so there we go um which one this year's not last time's this guy's see i i feel like my first kudu ever was living proof that i'm not an evil an evil trophy hunter right because i shot i shot a kudu that i could probably convince someone was an inyala that didn't really know what they were talking about that's how small it was it's a great big inyala if you look at it that way Huge, huge amount. Of. Yeah, absolutely. All
1: right. Let's move on to one of these articles.
3: What article? The, the, guest, is, the guest is supposed to pick the article. Man, let's hit that grizzly one. The grizzly one. Yeah.
1: The attacks, the barrel bombs.
3: From Go Hunt, bear, bear conflicts are on the rise in Montana. Um, it's kind of a no brainer for anyone that pays attention to it. The best thing to me was. You know, again, we're getting ready. We're getting getting ready to come around to another round of Montana and Wyoming, um, possibly Idaho having grizzly bear seasons, and then a federal judge from some other state canceling them. Like that's just been a cycle that's been happening now. They had the the real thing about this article is in the course of seven days. And I believe they were all Grizzlies. In the course of seven days, four conflicts with three bears euthanized in the state of Montana. From September 14th, uh, two, two bears euthanized, one, sh- one shot by hunters, but not recovered. Um, not shot, but shot by hunters who were being attacked. Um, so in seven days...
2: This is another one man like explain this to me. Play devil's advocate on this. Okay.
3: You take this and you take California Mountain Lions. California Mountain Lions and Montana Grizzly Bears are probably being are being euthanized more than they were than they've been legally hunted in modern eras. Like the state is having to kill them. The state is spending a fortune to euthanize them.
2: Why? Why is hunting not a better option? Man, I I can't believe the devil's
3: advocate. Why wouldn't you have people pay the state? to habitualize these animals to me habitualization is still the biggest argument that if there's people out there hunting them and pursuing them it's not it's not that hunters are gonna miraculously kill all the problem bears it's that people out there pressuring them and pursuing them is going to make them leave humans alone that that's the single biggest problem to it um and, you know, it's just you can look at the numbers over the last over the last several years as the grizzly bears have rapidly recovered in the northern rocky states. Um, the conflicts and deaths, the human deaths um, are are rapidly rising. Um, and these states just want to implement management programs. And have citizens pay them. To go and help manage these bear populations and habitualize the population as a whole um, and instead the state is just spending tax dollars to euthanize them because some federal judge in California won't let them do it
1: well I think I mean, a lot of that is is um, is, the, is the political pressure they receive from you know organizations that, they don't look at a mountain lion as a predator they look at a mountain lion as you know, a tabby cat that you know eats Christie's wet food, you know, off your porch. It's they 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 don't they don't understand that you know in the state of California you have mountain lions that are hitting the packs now, right? Like that's not a normal you know, means of hunting for a female. like that, right? And it's 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 because there's these political environments that get charged up by these organizations obviously, that, you know, creating an environment where common sense does not prevail.
3: And how can you, like, I try, man, I try so hard to not be a whack job, tinfoil, hat-wearing
2: conspiracy
3: theorist, but more lions are being killed in California than were when they were hunted because of the dehabitualization and because the population is is expanding so fast. The, it's, it's 100% fact. It's not conjecture on my part. It's 100% fact that outlawing the hunting of them in California has not been good for the lions. It's not been good for the taxpayers. It's not been good for people. There's been more attacks. It's not been good for animals. There's been more attacks. The only reason they do these things, the only reason they they, two reasons. One is it's an attack on hunting. It's a form of hunting that they were able to outlaw. And second, and probably the biggest one is it's a fundraiser for these people. When they lie to you, like they tried to do to us in Colorado, um, perfect examples, when they tried last year to outlaw cat hunting in Colorado, and they made a giant deal about the lynx because the lynx was endangered. And so they threw in that they were going to make lynx hunting illegal. And no one mentioned is already completely against the law to hunt a lynx in Colorado, right? They used it as a, and then they launched their fundraising campaigns to save the lynx in Colorado. Um, and then they duped people, good people, man. Like if you're a guy that doesn't understand it at all, and you think the horrible people of Colorado are killing off the endangered lynx, and this group is going to save them. That's something I would, I would pay attention to. I would, I would, you know, why wouldn't you throw some money behind that? But it's all lies. It's all lies. We weren't killing lynx in Colorado for the longest time. It's not, it's not real. And it's a fundraising thing for these people and it's an attack on hunting. And I'm not this guy. I'm like the open-minded middle of the ground, middle ground guy. And this is, it's such bullshit. And if this, this data coming out of Montana on grizzly bear attacks, Hopefully, you got to have this like faith that because Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho pulled off the wolf thing where they they were they were able to manage their wolves when nobody else does. Hopefully, they find a way to to band together and get the same things problem solved with grizzlies because um, it's just it's just going to continue to be a problem.
1: They just had another. Wasn't it like last week the two college wrestlers?
3: Yeah, I think they were shed hunting maybe and got attacked. Yeah. Both both lived.
1: Yeah, there was four of them total. Yeah. And
3: then they ended up splitting up
1: mid, you know, they were looking for shed. And the one kid gets mauled. And his buddy, they're both on the wrestling team, starts wrestling today the and then he gets mauled. You know, both of them survived, but definitely uh, they're going to be in some for some rehab for a little while, but, you know, just another example.
3: Yeah, you got to – I don't I don't mean to downplay their injuries because they definitely got tore up, but they were they, – there's a lot – they posted a lot of selfies from hospital beds of thumbs up and stuff, so yeah, right. that's kind of what – you get a couple of kids that have wrestled long enough to be college wrestlers, and they're probably moving into the phase of being excited about their war wounds now as opposed to being upset about the bear attack anymore. A lot of uh, chicks dig scars type scenarios, but possibly said. Um, re- let's hit this side,
2: uh, Vermont. I just, man.
3: <laughs> so I've had a lot of firearms in my hands in my life, right? I mean, all the way from hunting as a kid to a little bit of time in the Marine Corps and then back. And I, I have had one of which Daryl is completely uh, familiar with. I've had two accidental discharges in my life. Um, Those are long, drawn-out stories that are not worth getting into. Um, Both of them, just my fault. Both of them, uh, just boneheaded mistakes,
2: right? Um, Both of them, though, one of... Both times I violated
3: uh, one of the four basic firearms rules, right? Obviously, right? If you don't don't break one of the four uh, rules of handling a firearm safely, you can't have an accidental discharge. That's the way to not have one is never, never, ever break all four rules. But I didn't break all the rules, Right? Um I'm not defending myself. I'm just saying at no time in either one of my accidental discharges was a human being in danger. We're both stupid and ignorant and awful things that I did, but never was a human being in danger. Here's my point. I'm letting you know that I've made some mistakes with guns in my life, but I cannot fathom. this happened in Colorado last year. Um, luckily, I think as far as I know, this guy in Vermont is recovering. But a guy shot another human being, thinking he was a bear, and I, I have no patience
2: for it at all.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't I don't understand it either, to be honest with you. I mean, and I'm definitely
2: not trying to put myself on a pedestal, you know, being a super so- you Nope. Know, perfect person when it comes to all that kind of stuff, but um, I just don't
1: understand how anybody thinking any type of animal can mistake a human for the animal that they're trying to animal, right? So let's say he's hunting waterfail. I don't understand how he can mistake a human for white tail. Was he, you know, in this environment, With like, because the other guy was hunting waterfail, was was he just afraid thinking it was a bear? Like, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it, and I just don't understand. I'm with you. I, I just don't, know. I don't I don't understand how somebody can mistake a human or another animal, okay, for the animal that you're supposedly out there hunting. Because the hunting seasons in most states are pretty spread out, but there's just, you know, a couple. But I, just, I, can't, I, just, I can never get on board. I just don't
2: know. And it's it's yeah I,
3: I I'm with you and like you said like the the consequences aren't obviously as horrible, but I
2: mean I've never shot a turkey
3: thinking it was a whitetail. Like obviously you're just not getting a good clear pick. I mean there's no other reason, right? There's no. There's no other reason whatsoever. I, I don't understand how you can shoot something and it not be what you thought it was. I've never shot. Now I'm not. You know, I've shot. Uh, I've shot little deer that I thought were bigger deer. You know, those kind of things have happened. But it was a deer when I pulled the trigger, and I knew it was a damn deer when I pulled the trigger. I don't have any patience for the for for it at all, and just think. You know, that's a that's a. Uh, that's a mistake that should not be made because it's almost really not a mistake. It's like a flagrant, it's like a flagrant uh, violation of common sense. It's a it's a choice that you made to do. It's like driving your car off a cliff and then being surprised that you messed your car up. You you chose to do the bad
2: thing, right? Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll just you know you,
1: you try to you, you read an article like this and you start to think okay you know what, what's an environment where something like this could actually like legitimately happen um and I just can't figure it out
3: no I can't either I, I, I don't I, that's exactly what I'm saying and it's, it's why I led with I understand it's why I led with I've screwed up with a firearm And, and, but I, I didn't, I didn't aim it at something that, you know, whatever. I I don't want to pick on the guy. We're not going to mention their name. We may not even post the article. I I don't like not knowing the entire scenario, but uh, good Lord, just know what you're shooting at before you pull the trigger. How's that? Our last article is a Nevada study. Um, I really just threw this in here. We don't need to cover a whole whole ton of time on it it's a study that uh nevada hunters make positive impact on rural communities the university of nevada in collaboration with uh the dow department of wildlife in nevada analyzed data from 2020 380 million dollars spent on hunting in one year in nevada i brought this up honestly because i feel like we spend um we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking um, kind of about the economic benefits of, of international hunting. And uh, we, I think maybe we should spend a little bit more time on it here in the, in the U.S. That uh, there is a lot of folks who a substantial part, if not all, of their uh, their income, their money that feeds their family and pays their mortgage comes from from hunters spending that and uh i don't know i thought it was worth celebrating that a little bit
2: yeah as a nevada resident I think it's awesome and honestly probably
3: not a state i mean do you think that if you asked if you pulled hunters across the country to name their top five states that they think of as hunting destinations i mean nevada nevada probably doesn't make that list does it it doesn't make maybe maybe it's a top 15 kind of we've got
1: i mean yeah maybe maybe top 15 but definitely not one of the top destinations great hunting and fishing, though. like it's not because they don't want some amazing you know outdoor operations or opportunities but um, it you know when you're competing with places like Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, like it just it doesn't get the it doesn't get the kind of hype that some of those states do when it comes to their hunting.
3: Is it a, in your opinion? Is it an easy state for a non-resident to get into? Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, I was a non-resident applying in Nevada. You know, for several years. And you know, I'm not saying that you're gonna draw a tag any easier than other places, but you know, it's no harder than than any other state, you know. And and a little I, in my view, I think a little bit more um it's not as financially I think, as places
3: like Colorado. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I got uh, well that's really those are our articles. You and I uh What, in uh, four days, five days? Headed to uh, Arizona. um, Try and uh, fill a mule deer tag of yours. Kind of one of our, uh, kind of becoming becoming one of our spots down there. Probably, I don't have a lot of places. Like, I'm not a real secretive guy, but you would, like, a a stranger that I didn't know would probably have to waterboard me to get the uh, lat long of where we're going down there. Um. Not really. I right. mean, I, we, we we haven't it's discovered paradise. Problem. We just discovered a place that there's not a lot of other people at. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. This is this is my third year in a row. Now.
3: I love it. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't able to make it down last year. Um, last year you bow hunted it, right? L- what last year that you fell off a cliff down there, right?
1: Yeah, it's a good thing you didn't make it last year. It was yeah.
2: Not, not, not Not a lot
1: of places to get your, your bow fixed, uh, pretty quick where where I fell. So
3: no, no major bodily injuries, but the bow definitely needed a bow doctor, right?
2: All right. Well,
3: I appreciate it, man. I was in a bind. Thanks for helping me out. Good conversation. And, uh, me and, uh my side-by-side and my predator call oh here's a quick story so i bought this new i bought this uh i don't know it's not it's a johnny stewart hunter specialties exterminator okay if anyone knows anyone at hunter specialties here's a quick design tip for them i i bought it like in true cody style i think i bought it i may have bought it right after I got. We got back from Arizona two years ago because I was pissed because you had an electric predator call and I didn't. So I went and bought this thing, right? <laughs> I think that's when it was. I think it was pushing like 22, 23 months ago. Anyway, I broke the box open today. Listen, this is going to sound crazy. But you unscrew the back of this thing. You open this door and there's four AA batteries go right there, right? I put them in. the batteries in the remote remote pops on i can't get the call to turn on can't i'm talking like 45 minutes man and i'm pushing the button and the button feels kind of janky and i'm thinking god almighty i'm four days out from this trip i want to take this thing and maybe shoot some coyotes in arizona and i can't get this stupid thing to turn on i fiddle with it fiddle with it i'm on like forums Trying to figure out if somebody's listed a trick to this thing. I read all the instructions, which I need. I never read the instructions. I go all the way through it. And I get pissed and slam this thing on the table in my shop. And the battery box where the four batteries go falls out. And on the back side of it, it needs four more batteries. Right? Like it the whole, the whole thing and nowhere, man. I can't find anywhere that it fucking tells you that this that this battery thing slides out so you can put a total of eight batteries in it. Anyway, I don't know that anybody else needed to hear that story, but the, but my, my predator call is now working that I've had in the box sitting in my shop for two years. So hopefully you uh, opening morning, you just smack a big mule deer. Yeah, you smack a big mule deer early and we'll go chase. Uh, we'll try to thin out the Arizona coyote population a little bit.
2: All right, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Thanks for the invite. You bet. Well, that's it for today.
0: I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around
2: hunting.